0: welcome to the city park church podcast we are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope please share at cityparkchurch.com how god has touched your life through our messages thank you for listening other guys that are way better skiers than i literally because they're younger (laughs) but um lake tahoe has so much snow it's almost too much um it, w- it was too much, actually. We m- couldn't fly out on Sunday because we couldn't make it back to Reno. So, I mean, literally you, you uh, ride down the streets and all you see is the garages of houses and the whole house behind it is covered in snow. I mean, they've had 40 feet of snow. Uh, some of the ski areas are, are what they call the 600-inch club where they've actually, from the beginning of a season, gotten 600 inches of snow. So divide that by 12. How many feet is that? A lot. How many know God is the God of more than enough? Amen? (laughs) That's who he is, and uh, that's what he wants to do for us. Do you realize that God wants to do more for you than he wants from you? Do you guys get that? He wants to do more for you than he wants from you. And uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about that today. But first, let me go over a couple announcements. First of all, welcome. If you're a first-time visitor, we'd love to give you a free coffee downstairs. And the ushers have a card for that, a visitor card. Just fill that out and turn that in if you haven't gotten one already. Um, The next step class tonight, if you haven't gone through the next step class, very beneficial. You get to hang out with us. We'll have it at our house tonight. And there is a blue card. Just fill that one of those blue cards out. And uh, turn that in, and we will contact you and give you directions if you don't know how to get to our house. Awesome. And uh, just some of the other things going on this week. All of our small groups, our Promises and Freedom Fighters group on Tuesday nights. Uh, Wednesday is the Bridge 50A, but we will be having all church prayer up here at 7 o'clock. So come for prayer. Um, And then um, Thursday mornings, we have men's prayer at 7.30 a.m. if you want to get up early. Uh, We'd love to have you come, and then a women's Bible study. This Saturday, men's breakfast at the Black Bear Diner. So we start at 8 o'clock. We go right to 9 o'clock, and we usually end right then. And then uh, next Sunday is the Dream Team Rally. All the volunteers uh, that volunteer in every area of the church, we come together at 6 o'clock. And it's very important that everybody mark that on your calendar, because that will be the, the rally that we discuss Easter. And Easter is coming up. You notice we have these buckets, and they're, they're getting pretty full of candy, but we need a lot more. So a lot more candy. So if you guys would, would continue to buy some individually wrapped candy for Easter, uh, we're going to have a banner coming soon. We have a bunch of street signs to pass out and some, some handouts for you guys to invite people. But uh, it's going to be a great Easter because it's going to be sunny. Yeah. I'm just putting that forth right now, okay? Can any, anybody say sunshine? Sunshine. <laughs> sunshine. Next Sunday is a really amazing day. We're going to ordain the selves and Brandon, who you saw up here, right, as pastors in this can punch and we just love for you to come, maybe uh, bring a card to congratulate them. It's a, it's a really important day and uh, not only f- for them, but in the eyes of God and, and in the The future of our church and we believe that uh, that ordination is important we believe that something happens on that day as far as an increase in a transfer transfer of anointing Um, we just we're just believing God for impartation so that they can continue to to grow and perform their 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 ministry responsibilities at a greater level of effectiveness for God so it's going to be a really important day And uh, so that's ordination. Then Easter is on the 16th. So not too far away. What do we got, about a month? A little bit over a month left. We will be having our annual filling Easter egg hunts, making Easter baskets on April 2nd at 6 p.m. That Sunday uh, evening, we need everybody to show up because it's a massive project. And so we we literally buy everything 90% off Last year for this year, and it's all stored down in our basement. We have a big basement here, which is a blessing. So we have, we bought a lot of stuff. So a lot of baskets we give away, a lot of prizes, things like that, and candy and eggs. And it's going to be a great, a great day. And we just love to do it. Just like our Fall Fest, we love to reach out to the community and uh, just be a blessing. People that will come and they'll go to their church on Sunday, or they'll come and come to church here or they'll just come to the Easter egg hunt. We just love on them and show them the love of Christ and just have a, have a really, really celebratory Easter morning. We do it on Easter morning because most other Easter egg hunts do it on Saturday. We just like doing it on Sunday. And right after that, people funnel in and come to church here. So it's going to be a good day as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, as I'm thinking about the Lord and thinking about the Bible, how many know that, that the Bible is applicable to everyday life? It's just not a book that's not understandable. Uh, we can apply it to our lives, like Brandon was talking about, talking about moneying, being trusted, and, and those things are so applicable. It's something we can actually do and, and, um, in developing our relationship with God, because it's all about relationship. It's all about having an encounter with him. Because you can come to church for decades and get in the habit of just coming to church and never really have a personal encounter with him. And our goal is for you to have an encounter with him because in that encounter is the development of an ongoing relationship with him. And uh, see, religion, just coming to church, singing a few songs and going home, it, it will not change your life. It'll make you feel good temporarily, but really, your life can literally be changed, you can be delivered, you can be set free if you purpose to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Because he is a personal God. The reason why he sent Jesus to the earth was for that very reason, for that very fact, he opened up heaven for us, sent down his spirit. Why? So that we can personally get to know him as a friend. And, and, you know, you can go to multiple Generation Unleashed conferences and multiple retreats and and, and seminars and, and all these things and still never really have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. You can even go forward for years at Generation Unleashed and jump up and down on the mosh pit and, and you know, get all sweaty and, and, you know, thinking that this is amazing, you know, but only consider it a concert and not an encounter. We want you to have an encounter because we know that within that encounter, personal encounter with Jesus Christ, that's where life change happens. That's where Jesus gets in your business. You allow him in to change you from the inside out. You become a new creature in Christ in that encounter, born again, whatever, whatever biblical name you want to attach to it. God changes you from the inside out and gives you his power, gives you his ability Gives you his love, his peace, his joy, his patience, the fruit of the spirit come to live in you. The gifts of the spirit become available to you. Life change happens when you're friends with Jesus. He's real. Come on, I said he's real. He's real. I wouldn't do this every Sunday if I didn't believe that he's real. I wouldn't do this every Sunday if I didn't think that he can change your life. Amen. Because he can, because he changed my life and he's continually changing me. So what's our job? Our job is to press in. Our job is to come here and like we talked about this morning with that healing song, we're going to come here and we are going to appropriate everything that God has already provided for us through his son, Jesus Christ. He's already provided healing. He's provided salvation. He's provided deliverance. He's provided prosperity. He's provided all of these things. And he's like, here, the table is set. Come and eat. Come get some. Well, I don't want to come down for dinner. Well, be hungry then, right? (laughs) Be hungry then, because the table's set. It's dinner time. Parents, as parents, you get frustrated. You spend a whole afternoon preparing a meal, right? Cooking, you got the meat in, you got the potatoes going, right? You get the vegetables, you got the salad, you set the table. And come to find out your kids already went to Taco Bell, right? After school, and they're not hungry. How many know that makes you angry? It's like, I spent all these hours preparing this meal, and you're not coming down here and eat? Whoa, 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 whoa. I think God's kind of the same way. I don't think he's angry. I think he's disappointed. Because you get disappointed, you do all that work. He sends his only son to die for us, and we don't come to the table to eat everything and, and partake in everything that he's already provided for us. The table is set. Come and eat, come and eat, come and eat. Amen? And if you think about it, every single situation that you've ever been in Forgiven, washed clean, set free. The mercy and grace of God is available to you. No guilt, no shame, no condemnation are out there. Hallelujah. Because of the blood of Jesus, we come and we partake and we're able to sit at that table because of what he's done for us and what he's opened up for us. Amen. And so the question that we're asking, this is uh, number three. We had a little break last week. Don, come out. And if you didn't watch the video, you need to watch it. It's all archived on livestream.com or on YouTube. But we're, we're going to do uh, four sessions of what do you really want. What do you really want? And this is number three. We, we all have wants. There's no doubt about it. Getting what we want can be tricky, can even be dangerous. Usually, going after what we want, the immediate gratification, um, you, you, you can fall into a dangerous situation. When we just yield after the, the inclinations of our natural man or our flesh, our sinful nature, that's still, that's still a part of us because we live in this body. Someday we won't have this body and we won't have to deal with it. Aren't you glad for that? <laughs> uh, someday in heaven, we, we won't ever have to deal with the flu. Influ- there's no influenza in heaven. Somebody said, well, God gave me this sickness. I'm thinking, well, how did God give you this sickness if there's no sickness in heaven to give you? Right? There's no sickness in heaven. How can God give you sickness if he doesn't have it? Right? You know, our selfishness, our, our wanting our way, we want to do what we want to do and we want it now. All of, the, all of these things can be really dangerous. If we always do what we want to do, we end up where we don't want to be. If we get what we want now, we may not end up getting what we want later. Somebody say delayed gratification. Lurking in in the shadows of what we want is what we talked about a couple weeks ago is what we value, is what we value. And we, we rarely stop to think about these questions. For example, who do you want to be? Who do you want? What job do you want? What kind of person do you want to be? And then we talked about this. What about your legacy? What about your legacy? Will they say good things about me or will they say bad things about me? Now, I've been a pastor for almost three decades. I've been to many funerals and officiated many funerals. And it's amazing to me what people that come up and give little testimonies, little eulogies about the person who has passed. It's amazing to me what they say. Because people, even though they could be the the meanest, rottenest person in the world, they're going to find something good to say about them. And it usually is not something that they've accomplished as far as the house they bought and the car they drive. Normally, it has to do with their character. They were—you'll you'll hear them say—they were the kindest person ever. <laughs> they were. A joy to be around. And in all reality, many times I've just seen people lie about the person that died just to make everybody feel good, you know? <laughs> but if you think about it, have you guys ever thought about your, what your funeral is going to be like? I know it's a morbid thought, but... Um, um, well, you know, how many have ever read the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? It came out in 1989. All right, in in the 80s, this was the book, right? 25 million people bought it. And uh, in one of the chapters, it it talks about the whole funeral thing. So I want to read a little bit about that. But before I do that, um, remember a few weeks ago, I talked about Paul. And Paul was transparent. Paul was real. He was a real guy going through real things. And he was very transparent about what he was going through. And the scripture that I read a, a few weeks ago in Romans chapter seven, verse 15, remember Paul said this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. I mean, if you're looking for, for, for a life verse, this is a, this is a good one, right? Because we all, we all have the same feelings and have all that same situations. Why do I, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep yielding to that? And so Paul was just real about it. And that was in Romans chapter seven, but, but you have to go now, I just can't read Romans chapter seven, you gotta go to Romans chapter eight. Because Paul was trying to teach the Roman church and all of us today, his teachings continue on and they affect us. Uh, Paul is trying to teach them that there's a battle going on for what you want and what you really want or there's a battle going on for what you want in the natural compared to what you ultimately want or you could say there's a battle going on between the flesh and the spirit or the old man and the new man all of those biblical terms and Paul was trying to teach us he, he he was saying to us listen, I'm going through the same thing I, Paul Great apostle, builder of churches, raising leaders, you know, preached uh, really to the whole known world, the whole Gentile world at that time, and, and saw many people come to Christ and many churches planted, but he still struggled just like us, and he was real about it. Thank God he was. So Paul was dealing with this, and there was conflict But he said in Romans chapter 8, he started talking about victory. He started saying things like, if God be for us, who can be against us? He started talking about walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. That when you become a new creature in Christ, that table that is set before you is, is a table of spirit food. Come and eat come and eat, fill your spirit man, feed your spirit man, starve your flesh, starve the old man, starve the old way of doing things. When you focus on that you are a spirit first and foremost, that you have a mind and a soul and you live in a body, when you start putting your spiritual life first, you will then begin to experience victory every day in your life. And this is what Paul was, this is what Paul was discovering himself personally. He said, "Therefore thou, there is no condemnation for now for those who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh." And so guess what? The table is set. You've come to the spiritual dinner today. The table is set, so come and eat, come and eat the spiritual food. Because with, within this context of what we call the church, We've come to eat to build up our spirit man so that when we walk out into the world, we can experience victory in the midst of a world that's fighting against us. What what is it fighting? The the devil is out there. The moment you go out those doors, he is going to fight against you for you to get back in the natural, for you to walk after anger again, right? For you to fulfill, fulfill the old man desires. And Paul's saying, listen, I've got the formula for you. I've got victory for you. If God be for you, no one can be against you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm able to work out all things for your good because you are called according to his purpose. Right? And in the context of Romans chapter 8, where that is found, he says that in the context of I can work all things out for your good, when you focus on spiritual food and walking in the spirit and not following after the flesh. Because the wages of sin is death. It's a slow death. Thank God. But it can be death. 25 million people read this book. On page 96 in my old book, in the new version, it's page 103, in case you want to know. If you haven't read it, it's a good book. The subtitle is Powerful Lessons in Personal Change. Are you ready? In your mind's eye, he says, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral parlor or chapel parking the car, and getting out. And as you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers, the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing, the joy of having known that radiates from the hearts of the people there. Now, as you walk down to the front of the room and you look inside the casket, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral. Three years from today, all these people have come to honor you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. As you take a seat and wait for the service to begin, You look at the program in your hand, and there are to be four speakers. The first is from your family. The second speaker is one of your friends. The third speaker is from your work or profession. And the fourth is from your church or some community organization where you've been involved in service. Now think deeply. What would you like each of these speakers to say about you and your life? What kind of husband, wife, father or mother would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin? What kind of friend? What kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions? What achievements would you want them to remember? Look carefully at the people around you. What difference would you like to have made in their lives? There's nothing like a funeral to straighten you up and to gain greater perspective on your future. And then you'll read down in the chapter in in bold that says, before you read any further, take a few minutes to jot down any expressions. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a book, I don't want to do that. Have you ever experienced that? Because what's the goal of reading a book? To finish the book, right? (laughs) So you don't stop and you don't engage in these exercises, right? Right? And then it says, the question says this, as you fill in the blank, what would I want blank to say about me? What would I want my son or my daughters? What would I want my wife to say about me or the guy that I work with or my boss or my friend? Have you noticed that the older that we get and the more mature that we get, that our definition of success has little to do with accomplishment. If we really consider what we want and what we value, in that we find our definition of success. At a funeral, most of the time in my experiences, and I've been to many, People aren't talking about, like I said, all the things that you've acquired and the vacation home that you have and your Lamborghini, your Lambo that you drive, right? Because I know many of you just have one in the parking lot, right? (laughs) Not. They talk about how you treated people, they talk about your character. See, me personally, I'm a forward motion person. I, I like goals. I like to see things done. And, and um, if you hang around with me long enough, I'll push, you know. Uh, you know, a couple of decades ago, I pushed more, but I've, I've softened over the years, you know. <laughs> gotten, become more pastoral, you know, you could say. You know, have more grace, but I'm still a pusher. You know, I want to, I like to see things accomplished. I like to see things bought. I like to see things renovated, you know, finished, you know. You know, Don Don will know that I'm a pusher, right? He's worked with me many times. We got to get this done. We got a time limit. It's kind of like when we put the insulation in the building, I begged everybody, we had a service outside, remember? The sheetrockers were coming on Monday and we had to finish all the insulation in this building. And I begged everyone, I said, please do not leave me until this is done. We gotta finish this because sheetrockers are coming Monday. And it was not fun. But we got it done, right? Just pushing. See, to get what we really want we've got to discover what we really value and every day of your life when you wake up you've got to prioritize your values we have to ask ourselves what is the most important in our lives i mean i value progress but i also value integrity i value being a person of my word because i know that as a person of my my word I, i develop trust with people develop relationships because honesty is the foundation of relationships and trust and so there are times where i've given my word and then i stepped back and i say and i think to myself why did i say that but i i will literally you know kill myself trying to get it done because i want it to be done because i don't want to go back on my word and, and i know there's times you need to call and say hey you know i overextended myself you know the 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 honorable thing is to actually call and explain yourself right and not just avoid the situation. But there's many a times I just thought to myself. Oh dang that was dumb. Why did I say that? I can't do that. You know. But you just go for it anyway. So. There's a, a conflict in me. Between integrity and progress. You know in the business world. It is so easy in our culture to be dishonest. Um, and. It's almost like every time you deal with with someone in the business world, whether you're purchasing something or building something or you're in business, you're always skeptical about their honesty. And as a believer, honesty can cost you a lot of money, but not ultimately. Because we know that God is for us and not against us and that God will make a way even if it looks like through your honesty you're going to lose, but eventually down the road, God will help you to win. And he'll put you further than you could ever be within your own power or your own smarts or intelligence. Because that's how God works. Because why? Because he's for us. Right? What What we want immediately is rarely what we want ultimately. We should actually take this a step further. I think as believers, as Christians, we should be asking this question. What does God really want? What does God really want? And and I'm splitting this up into two sub-questions here. Is this, what does God really want from us? And what does God want for us? When the disciples came to Jesus, they were asking, hey, could you teach us to pray? Could you teach us to pray, right? And Jesus sat down and he taught them the famous prayer. The first words were what? Our Father. Come on, let's say that together. Ready, begin. Our Father. I can bet that the disciples were thinking, really? Whoa, we've never started a prayer like that. You know we call him Jehovah or or Almighty God, but you want us to address him as our Father. You want you want us to literally address God as our dad, our heavenly papa. Blow in their minds. This was, this was a huge revelation to the disciples and it's still a huge revelation to us today and the church across the world because there's so many that know God as God but they don't know God as Father. Because as a father, I want more for my children than I want from my children. Amen? It's the same way with our Heavenly Father. He wants so much for us. Doesn't mean he doesn't want anything from us, but it's in the midst of receiving what he has for us. We develop an appreciation and we want to do for him. Our wanting to do for him is not religious or robotic. It's developed out of a love and appreciation what he's done for us and the relationship that we've built together with him. Amen. That's why if you come to church and you, and you serve without having that personal encounter and that personal relationship with Christ, your service can become stale. You can become bitter and angry and easily offended. Amen. Especially if the pastor asks you to do something else, you know, oh my gosh, he wants me to do this now, you know, Whereas when you're doing it out of a heart of gratitude for what he has done for you, that you know that he has saved you, and and you know that you know that you know that you have eternal life, and that free gift belongs to you. Amen? And that assurance, that assurance of salvation is on the inside of you. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. Amen? By grace are you saved through faith. Not, not in your own works, but it is a gift of God. And that gift is amazing. That gift is, is, is opens up the doors of opportunities and possibilities as you live on this earth to follow your dreams and become successful in whatever you put your hand to. How many know the Bible and the word of God works and is applicable to your everyday life? Amen? God is working for us. He wants so much for us. Hallelujah. Good parents first want for their children, not from their children. And our Heavenly Father is the same way. What we want naturally is at odds with what we ultimately want and what God wants as well. But I really believe that we are closer to wanting what God wants from us than what we think. What does God want for you? If God were to have his way in your life, here is what Paul says it looks like. Remember Paul. Paul was struggling with the same things. Struggling with his old man, new man. Struggling to put the new man and the spirit man first. Dealing with thoughts, dealing with demonic accusations, dealing with the fiery darts of the devil, according to Ephesians 6, coming at your head, dealing dealing with his shortcomings. Paul had to deal, deal with all that. He had to battle just like we battle every day. I can imagine when he's up there standing in front of a crowd, preaching the gospel, not only... Is the devil lying to him that you actually killed Christians, Paul? But there's some people in the audience here, the parents of some of the Christian sons and daughters that you actually killed. How dare you stand up in front of these people and preach the good news of the gospel? How dare you proclaim peace and patience and joy and salvation and goodness? In Galatians chapter 5, if you want to turn there in verse 19, we read this portion last week, but I want to continue on with this portion of Scripture because Paul literally in detail describes the, the acts of the flesh. In the first line in Galatians 5.19, he says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. It's like Paul is actually saying, I don't really need to list them out because we all know what they are. <laughs> I mean, they're obvious. But then he feels led by the Spirit of God to actually list them. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies and the like. And then Paul is like this, I warn you as I did before. This wasn't the first time. This wasn't the first time. As a youth pastor, I, 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 I was a children's pastor for many years. And then my senior pastor came to me at the church in Tacoma we worked at. He said, um, I want you to take over the youth. I was like, well, I'm not a youth pastor. I'm a children's pastor. We were traveling, doing conferences. We, we were children's gurus. He goes, well, I know that you can do in the youth what you did in the children's, build a team, you know, fix this worship team. The youth band was just a mess. They were, it was just dissensions. There was selfishness. There was anger going on. There was vying for positions in the youth band. So, you know, we went in there and tried to put this together. But I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to preach to the teenagers? Man, you know, I've been preaching the fruit of the spirit, you know, children's sermons, you know. Uh, talk about, I can't, just can't talk about Noah and, and I can't build a big Noah's Ark on the stage or talk about the walls of Jericho coming down. When I was a children's pastor, we'd stack up boxes and paint them like rocks and we'd knock them over, you know, we'd walk around them seven times and blow the trumpets and we'd do all of these things as a children's pastor. What am I going to preach on to these teenagers? And so I went to another youth pastor in town and said, well, what do you preach on? He, he said to me, sex. I said, really? He goes, yeah, if you preached on sex every single Sunday, you'd hit the target 100%. Because that's, that's what they're dealing with. That's what they're being attacked with. Paul knew it too. He said, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But I love the next word. But, come on, somebody say, but... Come on, somebody shout, but. But. I love it because Paul, he just laid it out, but then he gives you the answer. He's like, listen, here's what we're dealing with. We all have these temptations. We're all going through these things, the acts of the flesh, what we naturally want compared to what we ultimately want. We we all yield to things we don't want to yield to. I've done it myself. I'm guilty of it. I'm trying to get the shame off me. I'm trying to walk in the spirit. He lists all these things out cuz I guess the Galatians actually needed a little input in here. Amen. As did the Romans, as did the Thessalonians, as did the Corinthians. They all guess what? They all had the same problem. The Corinthians were probably the worst. The Greshamites. He said, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we read that? you guys keep that up on the screen? But the fruit of the Spirit is, come on, read it with me. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many need a little dose of self-control? Hallelujah. And what he says here, against such there is no law. What is he saying? There is no law. Paul's not talking about rules and regulations. He's not talking about do's and don'ts. He got free from that pharisaical spirit going around making sure everybody was following the law and following the Torah, calling people on it, dragging women out of their house and wanting to stone them. They did this on a regular basis. The do's, the don'ts, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation. Against such, there is no law for these. Why? Because when Jesus came to live inside you, when you had a personal encounter with him, when you became born again, guess what? All of these fruits came to live in you. 100%. Fruit of the Spirit lives now inside of you. He put all of his love in you. He he deposited all of his peace in you. He deposited all of his joy in you. He deposited all of his patience in you. All of his forbearance. All of his kindness. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. minute. I I don't want it. I don't want it. Wait, wait. I, I just want my Lambo or I want that job or I want that house or I want that cute girl. I don't want this other stuff. No, no, no. Please, 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 please. Did you know that the first three of these, love, joy, and peace, will will literally solve all of your problems? It'll it'll literally solve all your relational problems. Completely and totally. Ultimate freedom. And it, it isn't something that you have to ask God for, he's already given it to you. So when we, when we pray, God, please give me some more love, God is up in heaven thinking, what do you mean I already gave you all of my love? I've literally deposited all of my supernatural love in you when you received me as your personal savior. And so what happens now, inside of us, we have everything that we need to follow after the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because we've had that personal encounter with him, we've received him as his savior. And let me, t- let me tell you, a personal encounter with him looks different for everybody. It could be one day you're walking on the beach, all of a sudden you realize Jesus is real because you looked at the waves and the mountains behind you and you received Christ as your savior, bang. And you knew that you were born again. Or it could be you went to a conference, you came forward for hours and you cried and you you made a big scene and it was okay and people prayed around you and they prayed you through as they want to say and you became born again and you stood up and you realized Jesus is your savior and you were changed from the inside out. It looks different for everyone, amen? I mean, I was at a, a, a youth conference after I graduated from college with a bunch of Baptist people preaching. I'm supposed to be a leader in the youth group. They, they recruited me to come to this conference to come help. I wasn't born again. I didn't even know what it meant, but I heard this Baptist preacher talk about it, and we were sitting on the floor of this gymnasium in New Hampshire, and he said, if anybody wants to receive Christ, raise your hand. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a leader here, but what the heck, I'm going to raise my hand anyway. I got born again right there, and I know it. I know it. And if I hadn't received Christ at that point in my life, I would have I committed suicide because the battle was raging. God had me marked, but so did the devil. And he did not want me to do what I've done for the past 30 years. It's the same for you. You are marked by the Spirit of God. God has a plan for your life to love and to deposit that love. Not only has he given you enough love to satisfy your own needs, he's given you an overflowing, abundant love, more than you'll ever need to spread across the world to spread throughout your family and your friends. More snow than you'll ever need to ski on. God's given you more love than you'll ever need to live by. Amen? Because he's more than enough. More than enough. More than enough. He supernaturally put his love in you. My love factor is fulfilled by you God and now I have love for people that I never had before love and compassion for people that I never thought I'd ever have that joy that unexplainable joy that comes on the inside of you that is contagious wherever I go that peace or that contentment that surrounds my life in every circumstances and guides me through everything that I go through Against such, there is no law, Paul says. He said, listen, 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Don't get out of step. Keep in step with the Spirit. When Jesus went looking for disciples, remember now Jesus is the expressed image of the father in heaven. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the the father. And so as he's going to recruit his disciples, what's the first thing that he tells his disciples? Come, follow me. He didn't say, come obey me. He didn't say, come submit to me. Basically the same thing Paul's saying, come, follow me, keep in step right behind me. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to show you what, what life is really about. An abundant life on this earth that you've only dreamed of, that you've tried to attain in the natural and you know it's failed, where you've tried to, Find love in all the wrong places. Your love and your security and who you are needs to be founded in him and him alone. Can you say amen? Think to yourself, love, joy, peace. We're supposed to live by love. I mean, if we live by love, joy, peace, will we ever get anything done? Just seems so lofty. (laughs) Seems so unproductive. Love, joy, peace. I mean, you think about it. I just want to say this kindness does not impede progress. Doesn't. For some, they just feel like Christianity doesn't work. And I'm thinking, come on. I mean, if you read the line there, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I mean, what if everyone in your company, there were no egos, no provoking, and no jealousy. Talk about getting things done, right? Talk about practical instruction. The greatest thing about Christianity is, I don't have to work up love. He's in me. I don't need to work up peace. Peace lives in me. I don't need to be someone I'm not because I'm representing him. And as I come to the table and partake of everything that he's given me, when I receive a revelation, because Christianity is a progressive revelation. I know more today after being born again for 30 something years than I did the day I got born again in that Baptist church. It's a relationship growth thing. More revelation, more understanding, more wisdom. God, come on. The table is so good. The best cuts of meats. Come on, you know when you've had a bad cut of meat. You know that, that horrible steak that you bought at Safeway, right? And you paid a lot of money for it and you got it home and, and you prepared the whole meal and you put it on the grill and you're this is going to be good and you put it on your plate and you think... This is horrible. And you don't bring it back because it's cooked. When you know you should have went to whites, right? You know that you're going to be guaranteed a good steak. (laughs) At least 90% of the time, right? And you just learn, you think to yourself, why do I keep going back doing the same things over and over again, expecting different results? Just go to the source. Come to Jesus, the source of abundance and life. The one who's for you and not against you. The one who has an amazing life for you. As we keep in step, walking in the spirit and not fulfilling our our lofty, immediate gratification desires, God has the right husband or wife for you, young people. Can you say amen? God has the right person for you. Fall in love with him first. Amen? Because even in marriage, if you get married and just depend upon your spouse to be your all in all, it will not work. A person in the flesh will never fulfill all of your inner desires and all of your inner wants. That is reserved for Jesus and him alone. that's the way he created us. These are the things when we think about our funeral that we want to be characterized by. The things that we value. The things that we need to pay attention to. What we really want and what God really wants for you are closer than you think. Meaning significance, legacy. And I don't want you to settle for what you want. I want you to discover what you value. And guess what? You will come face to face with the will of God and the will of our Heavenly Father. Amen? Let's all stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, amen? God just keeps telling me the Bible is applicable. It's real. And it works as much today as it did back in Paul's day when he wrote those letters initially. It, it works. And I'm so glad that we have a God who's real and we can know and we can talk to. You know, just talk to him. Don't be silent. Tell him what you're dealing with, even though he knows. Tell him what you're struggling with. Just be real with him. Give Give it over to him. You know, it talks about boldly becoming Boldly coming before the throne of God and the throne of grace. It's, it's only guilt and shame that will keep you from doing that. You've got to learn to forgive yourself. No matter what, what's gone on in your life, you've got to know that the blood of Jesus not only covers your sin, but wipes it away. And, and it's, it's by his blood we come to that throne of grace and so stop avoiding the very thing that you need you need his presence you need his wisdom you need his input you need to know how to operate all the things that he's deposited in you when you became a Christian because not only is his word the instruction manual on how to live out the joy but it's also through the instruction of the Spirit. The Spirit always agrees with the Word. But the Spirit expounds upon the Word and helps us and applies it specifically to our personal situations. That's how personal with a God we are. And that's how much He cares for us. So I want, you to, I want to encourage you to forgive yourself get past the guilt and the shame and, and just to say shame off me you know shame shame off me come on say that with me shame off me come on say shame off me shame off me hallelujah and the devil may may say to you well do you know how many times you've done that well guess what shame off me blood of Jesus cleanses me and washes me free because I'm free and I'm just gonna to the best of my ability just get back in step 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 I'm gonna follow that's what I'm called to do thank God I don't need to be out front leading right I'm just gonna follow him I'm gonna trust you I don't want responsibility You here, here you are Jesus I'm gonna follow you Teach me, teach me to walk in that patience. Teach me not to be angered. Teach me not to be jealous. Teach me not to inflate my ego. It can be as worse as having no confidence. Teach me to be balanced. and Teach me to follow you and teach me to trust you. Amen. Every head bowed, God, we just thank you, Lord thank you for your word thank you for being applicable to our lives thank you for an encounter with you I just wanna I, I don't even know I, I, I know many people have gone and all the time change messes things up and, and I know we have some visitors I've never seen your face I'm so glad that you're here you're welcome maybe this is your first sermon you've ever heard or maybe you've been coming to church for decades but you think to yourself I've never really received Christ as my savior maybe you're a young person and you're just riding on the tails of your parents because your parents drag you to church every Sunday guess what that's not going to cut it it won't cut it I want to encourage you to have your own experience with the Lord So with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to pray a prayer of salvation I don't care if you've been coming here for as long as we've been here 15 years pray this prayer with all your heart say this after me say heavenly father I cry out to you this morning I thank you for what you've done for me especially sending Jesus I want to know you, to have a relationship with you. And this morning, I make a decision. No more play in church, no more religion. I want a relationship with you. Forgive me, wash me clean of my sin. Remove my guilt right now. I say no more shame. I purpose to follow after you come in me now make me a new person the old must go the new must come I say love come your peace come your joy come your patience come give it to me all Lord I reach out to you come on lift your hands up and I receive all you have for me I am born again, a new creature in Christ. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask those who are going to pray. Come on up forward. If you need special prayer, you just...